RadioInfluence.com. Welcome back to the Law Father Podcast. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. It does help us out a lot. If you ever need to reach the Law Father, reach out to me. Call, text 855-LAWFATHER or lawfather at tampalawfather.com. Those are the best ways to reach out. And if you have a question, those are the best ways to ask a question on this show. All right. And uh, we're going to forego listener questions again for the second straight week today because we are focusing on voting once again. So in our previous podcast, we talked about the amendments in Florida and what they mean. And that way, when you go in and vote, you have a, a little bit of an idea when you check that box. Yes, what it means. Or if you check that box, no what it means. And uh, if you want to get an understanding of that, go check out last week's podcast. Uh, Today's podcast is going to be about candidates. Now, there are so many different candidates, so many different uh, people who are being chosen or so many seats that are open right now that we're not talking about all of the candidates. And we're skipping uh, some of the bigger ones, if you will. Uh, We're not going to be covering or I'm not going to be covering the presidential candidates. I think that there's enough data out there. And quite frankly, I think a lot of people have already made their mind up uh, about the candidates. Uh, So just touch briefly on the presidential candidates. You have Donald Trump and you have Joe Biden. Trump is Republican. Biden is Democrat. Okay, and that's about the extent of the the depth. Uh, I I think that Trump falls in line with Republican values and Biden falls in line with Democrat values. Uh, I don't think either one of them are necessarily in the middle, crossing, uh, straddling both sides of it. So, you know, take a look and get an an understanding of what Republican ideals are and get an understanding of what Democrat ideals are. And that way you can help make an educated decision. Uh, We'll touch on that. I'll touch on that real, real briefly uh, from a major 500,000 foot level. Republicans are for essentially less smaller federal government and Democrats are larger, uh, larger, more, uh, more in depth federal government. Okay, real baseline there, kind of like I said, 500,000 foot level. Do your research, get an understanding, and get your vote out for that. What I want to look at is something that's really going to mean more for those of us in the Tampa area, Hillsborough County, and we're going to touch on Pinellas County as well, um, partially because I found that race, this particular race, interesting in Pinellas County, and also because I started off my professional career at the Pinellas County Sheriff's Office. So did think that one was an interesting race. But what I'd like to start off with is the state attorney race here in Hillsborough County. And that affects us directly as a law firm. we do a little bit of criminal defense, not a lot. Uh, if, you know, if we have a prior client who calls up and says, hey, I got arrested for DUI or a drug charge, we'll go ahead and take that case uh, for the most part. Uh, you know, wiretap cases and big intricate drug cases we'd refer out. But the general kind of garden variety, DUI garden variety drug case, we would, we would take and defend. Uh, my experience on the law enforcement side of things really lends itself to being able to handle those type of cases. So the state attorney's race is something that 
could potentially have impacts on us. Uh, and both of these candidates I have met in various different capacities. So for on the Republican side, we have Mike Perotti. And on the Democrat side, we have Andrew Warren. Mike Perotti is somebody that I met when I was at the sheriff's office. He was he worked in the general counsel's office. He was considered uh, what's called staff counsel in the general counsel's office. So the hierarchy and structure of it looks like this. You have the general counsel. He is the main attorney. He or she is the main attorney uh, overseeing several staff attorneys. Okay, uh, on the, the private practice side of things, we call that managing partner. Managing partner and, and general counsel are kind of synonymous. And then staff attorney and associate attorney are somewhat synonymous as well. So Mike Perotti was a staff attorney when I was at the sheriff's office. Uh, he was the guy that if you crash a sheriff's office car on duty, he was the one that came out to the scene and was trying to figure out what kind of risk that the sheriff's office had. Uh, I don't know if they all shared in that duty or I just had the fortune of having uh, Mike Perotti out there when I crashed one of my sheriff's office cars. Uh, Back in, I think it was 2009, not a great experience. And, uh, but that's how I got to know Mike Perotti and that is uh, who he is. And we're gonna get a little bit more detail there. Uh, Andrew Warren, I met when he was campaigning the first time around. So he is the incumbent in the state attorney's office, meaning that he is the person that holds the seat currently as the state, of ter state attorney for Hillsborough County. And like I said, I, I got to meet him. Good guy, nice guy, okay. Um, and doing a lot of lot of things for the state attorney's office right now, but let's take a look a look at these two individuals. And, and you know, I think you have two very good candidates here. Uh, two guys who, from having met them personally, I I think they are, are both stand up individuals. So Mike Perotti, uh, prior to running, he was the major in charge of the Orient Road Jail. So he went from being a staff attorney at Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office, and he went and got his law enforcement certification, which allowed him to move around in the sheriff's office. Uh, he, Like I said, he was the major in charge of Orient Road Jail, which means that he was pretty much in charge of everything that went on there. Orient Road is uh, where all the booking is. So if you get arrested, you go to Orient Road first, and they actually, I believe they house people now at Orient. When I was working there, there was no housing unit. so. Uh, for example, if you were sentenced to say 30 days in jail, you were always going to Falkenberg, but I believe they are doing some housing now there as well. Uh, when he left the sheriff's office, I, I believe he left, uh, fact check that if, if you need to, if that's a big important thing. Um, but I believe that to run, he has left. Uh, but when he left, if he left, he last, le last rank was as a Colonel. His goals for the state attorney's office is to make better use of the diversion programs. So what is the diversion program? Well, you're a first time offender and you've committed some sort of, we'll call it small crime. Okay. I, I know on some levels, there's not really a difference. It's a, a crime is a crime, but we'll say you committed a small crime, something that wasn't a violent forcible felony. You didn't hold somebody at gunpoint. You didn't rob somebody. Uh, maybe you had... Uh, a small amount of drugs on you, a, a user amount, we'll call it, versus a selling amount of drugs. Um, you know, maybe it's a small-time theft type thing, something along those lines. And it's all statutory as to what can qualify for the diversion program. But Mr. Perotti wants to make better use of these diversion programs, which 
you know, can help keep people out of the system. Sometimes people make a single mistake and if we can keep people out of the system, it doesn't build on itself because sometimes if you're in the system and then it makes it tougher to get a job, which then makes it tougher for you to feed your family and, and have money and do different things, it forces you kind of into this endless cycle. So part of the idea of the diversion program is to keep you out of that cycle. And what, what he would like to do is work more with juveniles and drug offenders. And I think that's where you can probably make the biggest difference if you can hit the juveniles and keep them out of the system. And if you can hit drug offenders and keep them from reoffending, uh, what happens is, and we'll take a little bit of a detour here. What happens with drug offenders that you kind of typically see, and we would see this on the law enforcement side, there is kind of a saying that, that said every robbery and every burglary was somehow drug related. Okay. Whether it was a user going in to steal stuff to then pawn it off, to have money to go buy drugs or a, a rival dealer going in and doing something to another rival dealer or just stealing to be able to, you know, go re up and buy your next batch of drugs so you can go and resell it. The saying was essentially that every burglary and every robbery had some sort of drug connection. Okay. So if you can hit the drug offenders and get them out of the process, out of the system, out of using drugs, then you can actually kind of affect the drug dealers you know, by and large, because they're the, they're impacted by having less customers. Okay. So that's the kind of concept there. I don't know if that's necessarily where he's going with that, but from a real life practical standpoint, that's how I see that working uh, with the juvenile and the drug offenders. And one of the other things that he would like to do is improve consistency in the state attorney's office. So consistency with charging and plea deals and things like that. Now, Andrew Warren, as I mentioned, he is the incumbent and he has reduced the prosecution of crimes. Um, I don't know whether that's good or bad. Uh, I don't know which crimes those are, but he has reduced the prosecution of crimes. And I would think that's on a percentage basis, not necessarily on a pure numbers basis, because if you go off of a pure numbers basis, if you have less arrests, therefore you would have also less crimes to prosecute and your prosecution would go down. Okay. So something to keep in mind there, there's another saying, lots of sayings today. Okay. But another one stats lie. All right. And this is one that has potential depending on how that stat is written up, that it could, it could have some ability to, to lie. Okay. And I'm not saying that as a knock to Mr. Warren. Okay. I'm just saying, keep in mind when you're looking at stats, know if you're looking at a pure number or on a percentage on, on something like this, I would want to see the percentage, the percentage of prosecutions to arrests. I think that tells a bigger picture story than the pure number of prosecutions. Mr. Warren's goals are to continue to disarm domestic abusers, seemingly a very good program and a very good goal to have. Okay. Uh, domestic abuse tends to be something that repeats itself over and over and over again. And if you can disarm the individuals who are, uh, who are the abusers, you're taking really good steps in a good direction. And, you know, having seen it firsthand as a deputy, uh, it can be a really difficult thing. Um, and, and keeping weapons out of these people's hands is a very good thing. Uh, another goal that Mr. Warren has is he'd like to start a juvenile mentorship program, which I think is also a very good thing. So 
both candidates looking to help impact the juvenile population. And if we can keep juveniles out of the system from the beginning, maybe we keep them out long-term. Maybe we keep people out of the system who may have otherwise have been in the system uh, on a more long-term basis. Next, we have the Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office race. This one uh, is another uh, interesting one here. Uh, we have three candidates and the current incumbent, uh, Chad Cronister, is the Republican candidate. Gary Pruitt is the Democrat candidate. And then there's Ron McMullen, who has apparently no party affiliation. And let me take a step back and jump on my soapbox for a minute. Uh, in a sheriff's race and actually on in a state attorney's race, really don't understand why we have partisan races in those. Uh, I, I think that when you're looking at the law and you're looking at, well, both sides of the law, the enforcement of it and the interpretation of it, which would be the, uh, the state attorney side, right? The judicial side of things should be nonpartisan. That's my own personal opinion, but be it as it may, we have partisan sheriff's office races here in Florida and we have partisan, uh, state attorneys races. So as I mentioned, uh, the three candidates, Cronister, Pruitt, and McMullen. Uh, Chad Cronister is the current uh, incumbent, so he is Sheriff Cronister. And he is someone who started his career in the Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office, started at the bottom, okay? Um, kind of, I guess, stereotypical story, you know, start at the bottom, work your way to the top. But he started as a patrol deputy, and that is, that's where you start off. You get hired to the Sheriff's Office, and you get through training, you start off, start off as a, as a patrol deputy. Uh, he's been promoted several times and just prior to his appointment as sheriff. So if we trace it back a few years here, uh, the sheriff that I worked for, Sheriff David G, he kind of abruptly retired and Chronister, uh, Sheriff Cronister was appointed sheriff at that time. And at that time he was the Colonel for Department of Operational Support and in his own words, why he's the best candidate for this position. Uh, they've had a double-digit crime reduction in the county. Uh, they've increased school safety, and they aggressively pursue criminals who prey on vulnerable citizens. So very important thing. I know uh, part of Hillsborough County, uh, Sun City Center, is a has a large elderly population and when we see a lot of these schemes and and fraudulent things they tend to target the elderly population so a uh, really important population to keep up on and to really protect from schemes like this and i don't know if that's exactly where he's headed with that but you know i think anytime you're aggressively pursuing uh, criminals who prey on those who maybe are ill-equipped to handle certain things I think you're in a good spot. Next, we have Gary Pruitt. Uh, don't really have a lot of information on Mr. Pruitt. He is the Democratic candidate. Uh, he worked at Tampa Police Department. He spent 15 years in patrol, and his highest rank was corporal. Next, we have, and as I mentioned, I don't think he has a party affiliation, but Ron McMullen. Uh, he spent 30 years at Tampa Police Department. Highest rank being major. Uh, he spent time in patrol, narcotics, and special operations. Uh, special operations includes things like the SWAT team and K-9, uh, the, the, the areas of the department that are 
really specialized okay that's why they call it special ops and really no hiding the ball here it's it is what it exactly what it says it is uh, and in his own words why is he the best for that position well he promises to be present in the community and wants to increase morale uh, he thinks that the ability to suggest new ideas is non-existent due to what he calls a vengeant command staff um, i mean i can tell you i spent three years there and loved all three years uh, if it wasn't for an injury i'd still be at the sheriff's office most likely i wouldn't be here uh on this podcast talking to you um you know a, a severe injury chasing somebody uh kind of changed the course of history if you will um but i i don't see that as an issue at the sheriff's office i think that law enforcement is a difficult arena to have extremely high morale i think there's a lot of personalities at play and it's a really hard job Okay, there's there's a lot of things that that go on, um, but I I personally had no issues with any of the command staff. I you know there were people that would grumble, that would be unhappy, but you know you have that in every 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 line of work, every job, every business has that same type of thing. So I'm not sure about that. Okay, like I said, those are his own words, and that's what we see in the Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office race there uh you know one of the things to kind of consider as you're looking at it and having worked for a myriad of different supervisors both in pinellas county and in hillsborough county keep in mind that i found that the supervisors who were the best supervisors were the ones that had been in several different uh, areas of the agency so the guys who guys or girls who worked in patrol and then narcotics and were, were a detective, whether it be a burglary detective or a homicide detective, uh, spent some time in SWAT or canine that had these different experiences, tended to be more able to handle the, the different things that come up, right? So every day there's, there's different pieces that come up in law enforcement. And I think when you have individuals who have spent time in several different areas within the department i think you're in a in a good position and i think between sheriff chronister and ron mcmullen both of them have hit that uh i I don't think and look i spent uh i spent actually all of my career in patrol Uh, i don't think just working in patrol gives you the tools necessary to run an entire office okay i think there is uh, a a major piece to that that you need to know what goes on in several other areas so we've we've beaten that enough so let's move on uh we'll stay in hillsborough county this is our our last hillsborough county piece and we're going to look at hillsborough county judge and let's look at what is county judge all right there are multiple levels of judges okay actually two levels of judges we have three levels of court we have small claims court county court is the next one up and circuit court is the highest court. Uh, County court judges oversee that middle level, that county court, and they oversee small claims court. And then above that, you have circuit court judges. So this is for county court judge. Uh, I didn't actually notice any any circuit court judges on the ballot. I I thought I had remembered seeing them in the primary, but uh, go double check on that if you're looking for circuit court candidates. What I'm thinking is that they may have been unopposed coming out of the primary so they wouldn't show up on this ballot but county court judge is on this ballot 
and we have two candidates. And as I talked about races being partisan or nonpartisan, when we talked about the state attorney, when we talked about the sheriff, judges are a nonpartisan race. They can't discuss what any of their beliefs are in it, if it comes in terms of kind of giving an indication of whether they're Republican, Democrat, or any other party. All right. So first one we have up is Monique Scott. Now, Monique Scott has or does still currently work in this office. Okay. Works uh, with the law father. Uh, know her very well. We went to the police academy together and we went at, randomly uh met up again at Stetson Law, which we happened to be going to law school at the same time. Uh, they put you, um, I forget what they call it, uh, but for lack of a better term, call it a cohort, uh, where everybody that comes in at the same time has to follow each other around in the same classes, at least for the first year. And we, we entered into law school at the same time. So um, that is who she is. Uh, she is currently an attorney, as I mentioned, uh, former Tampa Police Department. As I had also mentioned, we went to the police academy together. I went from the academy to Pinellas County Sheriff's Office. She went from the academy to Tampa Police Department. And, you know, read up on, on that. There were, um, she has epilepsy, which is something that she talks about in a lot of her biography stuff. But at the time, uh, at that time, employers could essentially discriminate. I don't know if that's truly the right word for it, but they could terminate your employment for epilepsy. It wasn't one of the protected, uh, protected conditions. So that is kind of how that went. And then I uh, spent some time as a teacher. And then, as I mentioned, law school and spent several years as an assistant state attorney handling everything. Uh, everybody starts out there on misdemeanor cases and you work your way up into the felony divisions, which are the higher divisions. Uh, so she worked her way all the way up there. And why is she the right candidate? Uh, she says that there's a need for judges who are objective and can follow the law. Uh, she has recent experience in a courtroom and her prior work experiences have prepared her for the complex issues judges face. The next one, and, and keep in mind, there is no incumbent here. This seat is an open seat. So both of these would be brand new judges. Uh, next is Bill Yanger, who is also currently an attorney. He started practicing law in 1986. And from 1986 until now, he has practiced in criminal law, family law, personal injury, workers' comp, social security disability, and professional licensing hearings. Uh, so professional licensing hearings could be really a whole myriad of things. So uh, kind of easy example, contractors have licenses. I'm sure you see contractor vans driving and they have an LIC number on the side of the truck and then a number that follows that. That is what that is. That's their licensing number. Uh, and why does Bill Yanger say that he's the best candidate? Uh, the, he says that the judiciary is a calling and he has more range of experience than other candidates. Okay. Um, so, you know, you, you can look at it and go new and been around a while. That, that I think is your, your two different options there. And it's up to you to decide which one is better. You can make an argument actually for both that, you know, new into the system is better and been in the system a while is better. So that's up for you to decide. Those are those two candidates. That's the Hillsborough County judge race. And lastly, uh, one of the races that I think is the 
most head scratching and I want to say interesting. I just think it's a head scratching one. So I'm going to include it in here today. And that is the Pinellas County Sheriff's Office race. And as I mentioned, kind of at the top, I wanted to include it because, well, that's where I started my career. And uh, the current incumbent sheriff, Bob Guterri, was in the general counsel's office when I was there. I worked for uh, Sheriff Jim Coates. And uh, like I said, Guterri was the general counsel at the time. Uh, he is the Republican candidate. And running against him is Alicio Santana, who is the Democratic candidate. And let's look at the two of them. I think it's a really easy, quick rundown on them. Uh, as I mentioned, Sheriff Guterri is the incumbent sheriff. Uh, he has been sheriff, th sheriff since 2011. Uh, look, I, I still talk to guys over there. They love him over there. Okay. The, the deputies absolutely love what he's doing so um yeah and as i mentioned before working in several different units is a good thing well uh sheriff guterri worked in several different units he's actually been around and and i apologize i apparently uh didn't put this down but i i want to say um he started around in the 80s okay with the office i think he started in corrections which would mean he started in the jail and then worked his way over to the law enforcement side. Um, but he, he's worked in several units, and, and that is usually a really good thing for somebody who is running a division or running a sheriff's office, okay? So that's who he is. Uh, why is he the best candidate? Well, and this is in their own words, okay, not my words. Uh, crime is down 49.5%. Uh, Seemingly a very good thing, right? 49.5% is a lot. So we'd like to see what those numbers break down and how that works out because 49.5% is a huge decrease in crime. Um, so there could be many factors that go into that and that may be something to look at at another podcast, but not here today. We're just looking at purely what they said and why they are the best candidate. Now let's look at the Democrat candidate, Alicio Santana. Uh, no law enforcement experience. So uh, this is why I find it a little bit interesting. Uh, he had previously worked. He's retired now. Uh, he's been retired, I believe, for several years. Um, but he was the communications maintenance supervisor at the Pinellas County Sheriff's Office. Go ahead and read up on on what he has to say. It sounds a little bit personal as you read up on it, that uh, personal in terms of not liking uh things that had happened with him at the sheriff's office at Pinellas County Sheriff's Office, uh, why he thinks he's the best candidate for sheriff is that he cares about the community and wants people to be safe. Uh, I think that is pretty much the job description of a sheriff in any county, in any state, in the entire country. Um, but that is why he says he is the best candidate. So those are your local candidates. Now I know there's many, many more. Okay, there's a lot of House Representative, House of Representative, House of Representatives seats open. There's a lot of other open seats, but some of these come down to such small geographic areas that we could spend three or four shows breaking all of these candidates down. So go out, do your research, go vote. That's the most important thing. Okay, you will hear this podcast on November 2nd and voting day is November 3rd. So get out there and vote. I believe early voting in Florida is over. I believe that ended on the first. And so now you just have today to listen to this podcast and know who you're voting for in some of these local elections and get out there, 
cast your vote. Make sure your signature matches whatever ID you provide. That is what they use, okay? And seemingly that is being touted as maybe the next hanging chad. I hope not. I hope Florida doesn't have another major issue. But be that as it may, we'll take it as it comes. It's the Lawfather here, right from Lawfather headquarters. Lawfather out. It's Jen Frederick, America's best friend. Um, and yes, I basically named myself America's best friend. Part of the reason why I did that is that I am constantly talking to people. As many of you guys know, I work for a television station in Philadelphia, but I also have plenty of friends and many of them are moms. We are month 27 in this COVID quarantine. And what I keep hearing from moms is they're wishing that they were spending more quality time with their kids. I think at the beginning of this whole thing, everyone expected us, again, when we thought it was going to be two to six weeks, that we would be baking banana bread with our little guys and girls, that we would be, you know, really eating dinner with our spouses and talking and having the conversations that we wished that we would have. When in the reality of raising a family right now, you're driving to lacrosse practice, you are going out for drinks with your friends, you're getting a babysitter so you can work out. Working moms are busier and crazier than ever. So I think that we all thought like, you know, we'd be 10 pounds thinner, 10 years younger because we'd use that face cream and really, really, really well connected to our kids. I am here to tell you it's all bullshit. Okay. First of all, we're 10 pounds heavier. I haven't used a real washcloth to wipe my face and I don't know, since 2018. And I think because we've all been trapped in the homes with our kids, we're like, eh, we see them. We don't really need to talk to them. I'm here to tell you, you've heard this before. The days are long and the years are short. So in my house, we have a 15-year-old guy, which means he's in 10th grade. I only have three more years with my Brody. His buddies think that I'm hilarious. So one of the things that I decided to do is talk to them about how we as moms can be less annoying.